Today begins the first day of us going through the summer and attacking one giant subject together, okay? And the thing about it is there's an agenda, there, there's, there's a goal, okay? I'm going to provoke us, stir us up, challenge us to live a courageous Christian life, okay? A lot of us, and, and right now, I, I hope even right now you're like, okay, I do, and maybe I do, or whatever, but I'm going to tell what I'm finding out, or I've realized, even in my own life, a lot of us do not live the courageous Christian life that we're supposed to. And I didn't even fully understand this until I dove into a passage and God began to show me. And all I was going to do is I had where I was going to go next week. And next week we're going to tear into the application of this. And how do you do this? You say, how do I have that? Next week. But I want to show you an opposition, a thing that we all have, the thing that we all deal with that holds us back from this. The courageous. There's a couple words that we have for the words courage, okay? Courage means the ability to do something that frightens you. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm standing there in life, and I know that God's calling me to do something. And all of a sudden, in my mind, I have it to where I can't handle that, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, whatever the application might be. But then there's courageous. It means you're not deferred, you're not pulled back, you're not hindered by danger or pain. You're brave. Most of us have seen movies, you know, where they've got the war going on and everything, and they're all sitting there, and they're like scared, and the bullets are flying, and the enemy's advancing, and they're thinking, what am I going to do? Or I'm going to die. And one of the guys rises up, and he just runs for it. And he's, he's going to advance the army to the next level or whatever. Something in there encourages him or comes over him and says that I can do this or we can make this or we've got to do this or die. That's what I'm talking about, courage that comes in all of our lives. Oftentimes we're more ruled by fear than we are by courage. And I'm going to show you by this passage that we're going to look at that it holds us back from what God wants us to have. Whether dealing with conflict or, or, or fear that if, if I engage in this or I try to make this right, it's only going to get worse. We, we fear confronting our own kids. I, you know, as, as a parent, you're like, man, I'm afraid if I confront them or call them out on this, that I'm, I'm going to push them away. And, and, you know, something comes in our minds that's not of God and tells you you're about to fail or this is not going to work. We all struggle with this. You don't even know where it comes from. And all of a sudden, our minds begin to paint pictures of rejection or, or, or fear of, of consequences or all these things. When God calls us even to do ministry, how many Christians have said, well, I don't think I'm good enough for that. I, I think I would mess that up. Or if I got on that stage, or if I picked up a microphone, if I got in front of a class, I would just mess the whole thing up. But the thing is, you have something burning in your heart, something tugging at you saying you should do it. So I'm going to ask you, if you are being pulled in another direction than minister, what God's trying to do, who's holding you back? What's causing that? Where did it come from? And is it of God? I... I'm going to show you a number of illustrations this morning in the Bible about this. And we'll take all of our points from Second uh, Timothy when we get in this. But let me show you one of the biggest ones. How about us as Christians witnessing? Do you know how many Christians probably could have invited somebody to come to church with them today or share their faith, but something in their mind says, if you open your mouth, they're going to shut you down before you get a chance. So I'm just not going to do it. 
Or I'm going to invite them to church, but you know what? A good chance is they've asked, I've asked them before and they're going to just turn me down. And you know what? I don't want to be that one guy that is just the oddball at work. Or, I don't, or, or, or what if they ask me a question and I don't have an answer and something comes into your mind and says, you better not. I'm going to tell you, all the scenarios and everything that I'm talking about, those things have not come from our God. So I'm going to ask you the question, if they did not come from God, where did they come from? See, God indwells us with the Holy Spirit of God. It's called a gift, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he gave us, God promised the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come into our lives, bless us, indwell us, control us, lead us. He gives us peace. He guides us. And the Spirit of God calls us to live this courageous life. I, I think of how often that we all struggle with this in the Bible about different things that we see even from the life of Moses. God calls him to go rescue his people. What did Moses do? God, I can't. If I go there, I'm not going to have the words to say, Lord, I am not your guy to do this task or accomplish this thing. Something came in his mind to tell them he couldn't when God was telling him that he could. Oftentimes we see this over and over again where people like Daniel had to face the consequences of the lion's den, having to face fear in order to accomplish what God wanted him to do. The consequences of the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The consequences of standing up with Elijah against the, you know, the prophets of Baal. There was 850 of them, 450 prophets of Baal alone, but 850 false prophets standing in front of them. Gideon having to stand in the midst of an outnumbered army and having to go there and do something that was impossible. Every story about facing fear is bringing them where God called them out as Christians to be courageous. Wouldn't you love to have that confidence to stand up, speak out, speak up, and run to the battles of life? But I'm going to say most of us would have to say in our hearts that we don't. We don't. Because here's the thing, and, and, and on this journey we'll get there, because if we did... The altars would be filled. Discipleship would be flourishing. Lives would be changed. I mean, there, there, there'd be a whole lot more of this, but I think there's too many of us, like the battle of Goliath going up against Goliath, where most of us are on the sidelines sitting there going, I just don't think we can handle this. In the day and age in which we live, I think the church has stepped back. We have stepped back saying, wow, things have gotten bad. Wow, things have gotten complicated. Wow, they're not what they used to be. Something's got in our minds to almost give us a sense of defeat. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. We'll read through these and I'll explain this. This is going to be a Bible study this morning. This is our introduction. I'm going to set you up big time for next week. This is Paul talking to a young man named Timothy. Now I'm going to tell you, Timothy was struggling with something that we would call fear. He's, he's struggling with something, and, and, and I, I don't know what all it was. The Bible doesn't explain it. Uh, the, 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 chapter, or the first one when he was talking to him, he, he, I talked to him about, be thou an example of the believers, despise not thy youth. And I, I don't know if he was intimidated by the people, if he was getting threats or whatever. So in the second letter, Paul begins to write to this young man and say, hey, you've got you've to stop this, or problems are going to come. When I call to remembrance the unframed or the sincere faith that is in thee. Timothy was a Christian. Timothy would identify with all of us. Okay, He was a young man. He was zealous. I want to be here. I'm in church. I, I want to have the presence of God. I want to experience the fullness of God. I, I want to do the things that he's called me to do. Man, it's in him. Which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. 
I am persuaded that it is in you. Man, I, I, do you understand that he's emphasizing, hey, I have no doubt that you are a child of God. I have no doubt that inside of you is the Spirit of God. I have no doubt. As I'm going to tell us right now, I, I, I could say, I don't know everybody, but I, I know most of your faces. I, I have pretty confidence that I'm staring in the face of a lot of Christians. Would you guys agree with that this morning? A lot of Christians here saying uh, the same thing with Timothy. He is a believer. He is a Christian. Paul, in this verse right here, he emphasizes that to him. He said, I'm persuaded that it's in you. Verse 6, wherefore, okay, I put thee in remembrance. I need to remind you of something. I, I, I need to bring up something here, Timothy, okay? That thou will stir up the gift of God, which is in thee. It's in you. But it is not stirred up. It's in you. You are saved. You are sealed. You have the presence of God. But it is not stirred up. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. You can imagine like a father talking to his son. The son is not... And he's, he's pulling back and just, man, this is, this is tough. This, this church, this people, the world. Man, I, I don't know if I have the words to say. I don't know if I can face this. Do you, do you realize how bad it is? And Paul coming in saying, son, I'm going to call to your remembrance. I know you're a child of God. I am persuaded with all my heart. There's nothing in me that's going to doubt the faith that you have. But he said, I'm gonna, I need to call. I need to wake you up. You need to understand something, young man. You need to understand that you have inside of you the Spirit of God. And let me tell you right now, I'm seeing a spirit of fear. And I'm going to tell you, young man, that God did not give you that spirit of fear. It did not come from your God. Amen. Not at all. But of power and of love and of sound mind. Amen. He raises us up in this thing. The word fear means the same word as timid. It comes from the word or word that we use today to be intimidated. We oftentimes go to work and we're intimidated by the world. We're intimidated to get involved in ministry. We're fearful that I cannot do that. I'm fearful that I'm not good enough. Did not come from God. I'm, I'm here to tell you guys that that's, that's human nature. You know how it, it can be human nature for me, as an, even as a pastor, to sit there and know of a problem or a sin or an issue or whatever. And then I come to the pulpit I'm like... Well, I don't want to step on their toes, or I don't want to offend them, or I don't want to chase people off. We, we, we start veering away from immorality, or the, the things of purity, or the things that should be in the church, or things that God wants us to do. It's easy to do, but God's not called us to fear. And if we have fear, it did not come from God. Let me tell you, this will happen when you go to school. When you speak up to your friends, and they're standing there making plans. And they're over there saying, hey, tomorrow night we're going to be doing this. I, I know you go to church. Why don't you come out with us and do this thing? Something. Now listen, the, the, the thing that we are going to get into and have to understand, it doesn't just say fear. It doesn't just say power. There is a spirit of fear. There is a presence. That word presence or the word spirit is the same word spirit or some of the same description as we have the Holy Spirit. There is a presence there, a, a, a breath, a wind, a motion, whatever it is that's there. And all of a sudden, those kids are sitting there talking about doing that. And you're thinking in your heart, I need to speak up. I need to say no. But something comes over. You're saying, don't cause a scene. Don't be the oddball. Don't stand out. Don't be the weirdo. Say nothing. 
Where does that come from? It's a spirit of fear that comes over us. And I'm going to show you through this. If the spirit of fear is present, it quenches the power, the love, and sound mind. Without the power and the love and the sound mind, we're never going to reach the world. You're never going to be a dad if you walk in there and say, well, I don't want to bring this up. Or if you have conversation with another, I don't, I don't want to, and I just say nothing. Oh, there's all this other stuff. And that fear will run the church and it will run you. It's not of God. Get really real with this. I'm going to tell you, fear will send people to hell. So, whoa, no, no, no. Let me say this right. If I'm called to be the light of God, I'm called to be the mouthpiece of God, and I'm called to be the witness of God, and I say nothing because I'm afraid to do it, what are the results? How will they know unless they're told? How will they hear without a preacher? How will, how, how will they know? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and I'm a preacher, and you're a witness. And if we're held back by fear, let's not pray for revival. I'm going to ask you guys a, a, a question. Is revival possible? Yes. I'm saying where God stirs up the church and God stirs up our community and everything. Let me tell you, we're experiencing on a massive level right now revival in our nation. You're saying, no, we're not. Yes, we are big time. It's just not in the church. Satan is stirring up people to go and shoot kids in school. And suicide. He's the one having the revival. He's the one doing the stirring. He's the one doing the motivating. They're the ones, that, that, that spirit that is not of God is working around us. It's not our spirit. It's not our God. It's not the Holy Spirit of God, but it is there. It's just a matter of it's our spirit. It's being hindered by that spirit. This whole illustration that he is talking about, he's talking about a preacher, a leader in the church calling him out to be brave. He says in verse one, or chapter 1, verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You know why he had to say that? Hey, don't be ashamed of what you have or what you know. Because it's easy. Fear does not come from God. Then where does it come from? And if we are living in fear, we are living in a constant state of spiritual oppression. We are living in fear, then we are accepting defeat as Christians. If we are living in fear, we have accepted not to experience revival in the church. Because we have allowed another presence to be there. See, Paul was on a mission. He was there to stir him up, to remind him of his calling. All right, I'm on a mission. I'm going to remind you who you are and what you have. And I can't do this. This is one of those things that I can't do on one Sunday or one week or two weeks. I'm going to ask you guys to go on a journey with me to ask God to push me, to stir me, to move me. Because I tell you, if we don't, we will never see revival. We cannot do the same thing over and over again and stay in the same place, in the same mindset, with the same stagnation and expect anything to be different. It cannot and I'll show you in this passage exactly how he was pushing this on him and explaining this to him. He said in verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. The gift, he says this. 
the gift that God has given us, the gift of grace that God has given us. You don't have to turn there. Let me give you some other verses. 1 Timothy 4.14, he says this in the first book that he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. He, he, he makes this emphatic statement that God has given you more than you deserve and God has blessed you in a great and mighty way. I'm talking to believers right now. And I know there's weird things that people say about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when I got saved, I've got all of the Holy Spirit. It's in me. I'm sealed. I'm controlled. I'm bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all of me in me, okay? It's all of him in me. Timothy had character. Timothy was a preacher. Timothy was a servant of the Lord. He knew his Bible. But I tell you, there was something else in him. He struggled with fear. He had this. This gift, the word gift means endowment of grace. Let me, let me explain the gift that each and every one of you have. You have more in you than you realize that you have inside of you. You were given a whole lot more than you deserve. And you say, me, little old me, I, I, I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm nothing big. No, you're a child of God called out to reach the world with the power of the gospel. Yeah, that's kind of a pretty big deal. This outpouring of grace also means God's imparted ability, God's the, the ability to do what you normally could not do. Grace is God's gift to allow us to do what we normally could not do in of ourselves. And you say, wow, Timothy was really blessed. Let, let me, 1 Peter, when he was speaking, 1 Peter 14, he says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. It wasn't just Timothy. I'm here to tell you, if you're a saved believer, that God has endowed, poured onto you grace and giving you way more than you deserve. But I wonder how many of us live that. I wonder how many of us have that in you and say, man, I don't feel that way. I'm just here, dude. You know what I'm saying? When's this thing going to be over? We're good. You know, I got lunch plans. You know, it's, 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 I'm saved. If I, if I die right now, I know I'm going to heaven. How long are you going to be preaching, brother? You know, just... Said every man has received the gifts, so even so minister the same one to another. So he said, you have something inside of you, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'll tell you, just, just to sum it up, it's power, it's love, and it's of the sound mind. Let me tell you some of the things that the Holy Spirit and the presence of God has given us. It's more than you deserve, and it's amazing, and it's powerful. He said, I'm going to give it to you so that you can minister, literally listening. The thing that might be dormant, stagnant, or quiet in your life right now was given to you to change the world. He said to minister one to another. We had a tragedy that happened right down the street from here. This, this past week, I, I think it was Thursday, a young man at Canal Winchester High School took his life. And uh, they, they called in a number of pastors that was there to uh, minister to these uh, teenagers. And they said, I know when they come in the morning, they're going to have questions. And they were going to just say, hey, if you'd like to talk to somebody. And uh, Pastor Michael was telling us about that. They had different people from the city and things like that. And then they had a group of youth pastors that was there. And Pastor Michael was one of those youth pastors. And he walked in there and he's like, I, 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 he's there. And let me, let me tell you what was there because Michael was there. The Spirit of God was there because Michael was there. I said, wow, you think a lot of Pastor Michael. No, I think a lot of the Spirit of God. And he's saying he, he, something came into us, okay? We're different. And because the Spirit of God, that gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit that came into my life, what I did not deserve and I have in my life, I have power. 
I have love. And I know things that they might not know. And God said, hey, listen, because you have that, you are to be a minister of the gifts. You do not keep it to yourself. You want to know why we have all the issues happening all around us? Because too many Christians are keeping it to themselves. He said, let me tell you, every man has received the gifts. And you say, amen, praise God. Now that you have it, even so minister the same one to another. Pastor Michael stood up there and says, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer to why this boy did this and all this other stuff. And he began to pour out of them something that he normally could not do. God equipped him to do what I normally could not do of myself. You know what that is? It's the Spirit of God working through us. Because I'm not here to brag, but I'm here to tell you that I have something that the world doesn't have. And I have something in me that the world needs to have. Amen. And I'm here to tell you that they're never going to have it unless God uses me to give it to them. That is what we have. Oh, it gets, it gets deeper. He's talking about this is the same gift, the charisma. This is the same word here that he's talking about in all these passages. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 1 Peter. And he says at the end of this, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what a steward is? That means if I gave Dominic something and I said, here, I want you to take care of this and I want you to use this, like the parable of the talents. He said that those, those talents didn't belong to those people. They belonged to the master. He said, I'm going to give them to you to use for me. Do you guys realize that God has given us the spirit of God to use for the glory of God? You know what? The sad thing is a lot of us are just taking it. We receive the spirit of God and there's power and grace and truth and life change and everything. And we sit there and we do nothing with it. Then we sit there and say, wow, the world is falling apart. Somebody needs to do something. God says, you're the somebody. You've already been called out. You've been set on the rock. You've been given more than you deserve. As good stewards, you are responsible. Go back, 2 Timothy 1.6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. I'm going to show you something. I showed you that Paul called out Timothy. He made very sure he, he was very... Uh, adamant about the fact that he said, I know that the faith is in you. I know that you grew up with, uh, with Lois, your grandmother, and he talked about his mother. He said, I know that you have this. I know that you're a faithful servant. I know you're a, uh, uh, you, you love God with all your heart. I know all that. But he says this to that Christian, that faithful person. This is what he says. He told him, you're going to, hey, son, you've got to stir up the gift that is in you. Which literally means, it's the same thing that we read in Revelation about that I wish that you were cold or hot. Do you know what the word stir means? It means to rekindle. You know why it means to rekindle? It means that there was a fire that was placed inside of you when you received Jesus Christ in your life. You know what happens to a fire when you do nothing with it? It burns out. Have you, have you ever been camping before? And, and Jenny knows we have a fireplace in our house, and when it gets cold in the winter, I like being the fire guy. I, I like being the guy that's sitting over there. I jump up about every 10 minutes, and I'll poke it. I'll put another log on there. I'll twist the logs. I'll do all this. Man, because what happens is when it's really cold outside and that fire is burning really good, it makes that room warm and toasty. But we can sit, be sitting there, and all of a sudden we start pulling up the blankets and doing all this and saying, what's going on? I have a fire there, but I'm not feeling it. And I go over there, and I start to stir it up. Begin to make it uncomfortable. And then sit there and say, you can't just sit there. You can't be just stagnant with that. You, you have been given something powerful by God. 
Do you realize that we see the same thing in Thessalonians? Not the same thing, but the opposite in Thessalonians when he says, quench not the Spirit. So I'm going to tell you guys, here's the power of what you have. You say, I have the Spirit of God, but it's not doing anything. Do you realize that you have the ability for the Spirit of God to be on fire in your life or to put it out? The word quench means to extinguish. The same way that the word stir means to rekindle. So I'm going to ask you guys, would we allow the Spirit of God to take a poker and literally sit there and begin to say, I've got the Spirit of God inside of you, but you've allowed it to become dormant in your life. You've gotten stagnant, comfortable. You're just sitting there. So much is inside of you. So much good could come out of you. What are you doing? And God said, I gave you that spirit to minister to one another. I gave you that spirit, not just to give you a ticket into heaven, but to make a difference of all eternity. And I tell you, quenching the spirit of God, if you were to study that, when we sit there and we have bitterness or we have sin or we have envy or we have strife or we're sitting there with apathy in our life, we put a wet blanket over the Spirit of God. It's not that He's not there. The Bible even describes it when He's talking about the light that we have in our life. Let your light so shine before men. But He said some people will take a bushel and put, put a, a, a basket over the light. It is still there, but nobody can see it because you've camouflaged it. It's the world seeing Fellowship Baptist Church. It's the world seeing you. It's the world seeing you. This world, that, that the fire that's inside of you, the spirit of God that's inside of you, do they get around you and they say, wow, there's something different. Wow, I don't, I don't know what it is. And I know you're, you're saying that this, and I don't even know how to word this. I mean, how do you, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, it's the, he, he, I'm not trying to make it all weird and hocus pocus, but you know, the, the world has done that so much, but he's talking about there's a presence of the power of God and a presence of love and a presence that he's talking about or the presence of fear. Something comes over your heart and mind that's there that begins to control you and change and mold your thinking in a way that it should not be. He said, I'm going to do something, young man. He said, I'm going to call to your remembrance the calling of why you're here. Remember when we laid hands on you? Remember when we sent you out? Remember when we called you to do all this? I'm going to stir this up in your life. I'm going to rekindle it. Bring it back. Because God has not given us this presence of fear. I'm reminded, and I won't go into the full story for the sake of time, but there's a story of Elijah. Elijah is on fire for God. I mean, literally... He's out there, the prophets of Baal. He comes up to Elijah. Jezebel is out killing prophets of God. I mean, this should be, there should have been this great fear there. There should have been. And what does he do? He sits there and says, I serve the great God, the God of Israel. And he said, you gather your people together and I'll gather my people together. We'll sit there, we'll come together and we will sit there and, and, and pray down fire from heaven. If your God answers, then he be God. If my God answers, you. And a lot of you guys know that story. So what happens? They, they cut themselves, they scream, they do, nothing happens. Elijah goes out there, he, he douses it with water. He comes back, he kneels down, he prays, the fire of God falls. They're victorious. He goes up to the crowd. He says, hey, get ready because they were in a drought he says, get ready, I hear, I hear the thunder coming. There, there's, a, there's a cloud the size of your hand. All this happened in one day. I'll tell you about kicking your heels and dancing around. Man, God, you talk about a cool day. That is a cool day. 
Ahab goes back to his wife and says, you won't believe what Elijah did. Elijah says, or, or, or Jezebel says, oh, that's interesting. Servant, come here. I've got a message for you. Go to Elijah. Elijah gets this message. Hey, Jezebel wants to know, you know how she killed all those other ones? By this time tomorrow, you'll be dead too, by the way. Goodbye. You know, goodbye. And they walk out. Elijah, something happens to that boy. Guys, listen to me. I know that we can talk about the stories of what God has done and where God has been and how great God has been, but I'll tell you, something could come on from day to day in our lives or from generation to generation in our lives. And Elijah sat there and he ran from God and he ran from Jezebel and he sat there and said, where are you, God? And I'd rather die than be here right now. What happened? Something affected his mind and make him say that you are now defeated. I think so often we sit there and we're so consumed with where we've been and God has worked. But I'll tell you, are we living in a generation that is running and eventually he passes his mantle down and Elisha takes over? But we don't see very many great things from Elijah after that like we did. And God rose up another one. But I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, we'll be the ones running in fear rather than standing in the power of God, seeing the presence of God. And let me remind you, when the power of God fell, they all fell down before him and said, the Lord, he is God. There was no manipulating sitting there saying, all right, we're going to sing another verse and, you know, and trying to drag people down the altar and, and trying to make it happen. We cannot make it happen. Amen. You guys hear that? I'm going to take you and confirm with these points. I'm going to show you. There's three things that he promised that he was going to give us. And I, I know this is by, by way of introduction. I, I'm going to just take this and stir up the things. I just, I want to use David as an illustration over the next just 10 minutes. I'm going to use David as my illustration and show you this. And I think this is so powerful for us to see what God has offered us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. David is there. This presence of Goliath is standing on the sidelines. A lot of us heard these stories from the time that we were little. And, and, the, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and they were so afraid. Can, can I just paint a picture of something that this giant army with leaders and Christians and senior people, uh, senior leaders were standing there and they were very afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but here we are. We have this group that is afraid. But I'll tell you what God has promised to give us is a spirit of, fight, uh, of power. David runs to Goliath. He was not afraid. He was bold and courageous. At that moment that David threw a stone and brought down the giant, there was a presence of power standing with him. I'm going to tell you guys right now, there's something that we need to get that's very powerful in this passage, very powerful, tying it into 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm going to ask you guys, how did Goliath fall? He runs out there, and he's standing there, and David says nothing about, you, you, you're standing there with a sword and a shield, and I come to you with a rock. Is that how the story goes? That's not at all how the story goes. He turned and David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. The rock was never mentioned. Amen. Sometimes we put so much confidence in what we have rather than who we serve. We have that in our eye. They have, well, I just use it for I do this. If we had more of this, I could, I could, I could. I'll tell you, if we don't realize that it is all about the power of God and not the, the talents of men or the resources of men, 
He pointed out right there that that Philistine had a bunch of stuff. He had a sword, a shield, and, and, you know, and the helmet, and the Bible verses before that explain everything that he had. I am very much so. Don't get me wrong. I think we should be organized. I, I think we should be practiced. I think we should have security. I think that we should have check-in. I think we should have big city. I think we should have nurseries. I think we should have all these things that we use but let me tell you right now, none of those things create the power of God in our lives. In that moment, the spiritual realm, the spiritual world of whatever is going on, David goes out there and he doesn't have a spirit of fear. There's not even there. A little boy runs right up to a giant and sits there and starts talking smack with him. How do you do that if you're afraid? You don't. He's sitting there saying, boy, I'm going to feed you to the birds. And he says, no, I'm going I'm to drop you with my God. I mean, how do you do that? And we sit there all spiritualized. Well, he was God's anointed, and he was this. Yes, he was, and he was still a person. He had nothing different in his life than you. Do you realize if we have God, we have God? It's just a matter of it's stirred up because on the sidelines, you had a bunch of logs that are burnt out, and out here you had a flaming fire sitting there saying, man, God's going to do something big right now. The question is, which one are you? Are you going to stir up inside of you the power of God? And I believe in that moment right there, something was going on that he threw that rock and God just went over there and grabbed Goliath and went like, bam, you know, just what, what was going on? It was all God. Was it about the rock? And it's not about these bricks, mortar, worship teams and screens that we have that's ever going to create revival in America. If our hearts are not stirred for the power of God to work through of us, all we are is a big clique getting together to sing songs and, and, and do our thing. But let me tell you the difference. What if it was a matter of we were able to extinguish that fear that was in our minds that grips us? And God says, I didn't give you that. But I believe that the antidote and the thing that God has given us, he's given us a spirit of power. We're literally meaning inside of that, with that description, he's saying that God says, I place in you as, as a believer to do what you could not do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has the power within Fellowship Baptist Church and the members of Fellowship Baptist Church to break the bonds of addiction? Well, let me ask you again. Let me see. Um, Christians, right? Do we have... The power to break addictions. Yes! Yes! I mean, it should be yes. I know God can. You know what David did before he went out there? They said, you can't do this. He said, let me tell you what I can and cannot do. I had a bear come up on me. I ripped him apart. I had a lion come up on me. I ripped him apart. Don't tell me that my God can't. I know my God can't. Maybe we haven't had enough small victories to promise us that we can have the bigger ones to come. This generation has to rise up to realize that God is not done with the church today. Amen. Maybe it was even in that story right there that all these people that were standing on the sidelines and it took a little boy with dragging a sling out there going, God, I want to do, I, I do something for God. Looking for somebody that's just going to stand up and believe that God still does great things. God still does great things. So I, I, I don't know. I just said, it is a thing. you have a spirit of fear. Something's telling you no when God's telling us yes. Something's clouding your thinking. Something is there messing with your mind. Something's telling you not to witness, not to go out, not to change, not to reach. That the, the, the greater days are behind us and God's just not working that way anymore. Did not come from God. But 
the Spirit of God is here. There's a power working. And I'm not saying that we don't practice and we don't do our thing and all this, but I'm telling you, but that, that power begins to work the same way that that stone flew and God dropped that giant. It's the same way that God will begin to work and bring down giants of addiction and giants of rebellion and revival to happen and altars filled and lives changed because we serve the same God. There's a presence of power. Listen, there was a presence of power, not fear. I don't see that in the story of David, but I do see a presence of power that showed up in the life of David. But there was love. He said in that sidelines, he said, guys, is there not a cause? He's defiled our God. Hey, can I, can I talk to the king? I, I, I don't know what he did to be so persistent. Because you don't just say, hey, I'm here. Can I talk to uh, Donald Trump? And says, can I just get in his office? And, you know, you know, we, we don't have that kind of power, to, that presence. David, it, it, something happened. And, and in that situation right there, he's able to walk in there. And he has stirred up with love. There's a power. Do you guys realize the power of love that God has given us? And in that passage, he said he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he said a spirit of power and a spirit of love. Love is an action. You guys realize what God said should be stirred up as I'm talking about the gift, and the gift is the power of God. The gift is the power of love that he has. You realize, realize how powerful that is. The gift of God and the power of God and the power of love literally meant when I was messed up and I was sinful and I was away from God, God kicked on the door, came to where I was at, pulled me out, died on the cross, forgive me of my sins, showed humility the entire way just to say, Tony, I love you. And let me tell you, when the spirit of fear is gone in the church and the spirit of God is present in the church and we stir up one another and we're on fire for God and God provokes us to do what is right, there is going to be a love in this room and a love in this church and a love in your family that is like nothing that's found in this world. And I'm telling you, even the spirit of there, I think that people should be able to walk in there. And you know how you've ever walked into a room where there's tension? You guys know what I'm talking about, where there's people fighting, or you just walk in the room. If you're a teenager or a kid, you walk in the room, and you know mom and dad's fighting, you're like, and then you sit around and say, we didn't say anything in front of you. They knew. They know. There's something wrong. You guys realize that in, every, in churches across here, if we don't realize that we've got to die to self and say that I, I, I'm here for the glory of God, and it's not about me. It's not about me being right. We get things right between one another, that there's a spirit of God that comes across us and makes things right. There's a spirit of love that people will experience when they walk through the door of this place and they'll be drawn to it and you say, we need to build the church up. No, we don't. You realize that nowhere in the Bible does God said that we need to build a church? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He said, dude, quit trying to build your church. It's not about us building anything. He does the building. We do the obeying. We obey God by loving one another. We obey God by making disciples. We obey God by preaching the truth. But I'll tell you who adds to the church, who builds up the church. But I'll tell you, God can't add to a place that is not filled with God's love. And when people come in here, they should feel, should be different. Through our worship of us loving God, there should be a spirit of worship because there's a spirit of love that should be evident in there. Let me close with this. He said it the last thing. And guys, like I said, we're we're just scratching the surface of this. Buckle up, get ready over this summer because this is what we're doing. I want, I want to be fired up. I want it real. I want to be authentic. I don't want to be dead. If God said, if, if, if Paul will go to Timothy, that pastor, and say, it's, it's time to stir you up. It's time to rekindle that flame. I'm going to say, Fellowship Baptist Church, it's time to rekindle the flame. It's time to poke the coals and, and get that flame going to where people come by and say, that's different. But he promised 
in the middle of that, the gift, he said, of a sound mind. That, that sound mind is describing self-control or a self-controlled mind. It literally means when you're able to hone in on truth. See, David ran out to Goliath, and I was going to read you the story and everything like this. And he turned around and he said, I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to make you as dog me. And I think he was just, he's just dogging this young man of that. David turned around and said, what? Uh, I, I, what are you saying? I don't know. I just know that I'm here to bring you down. It's nothing that was able to affect him. Do you realize that all the lies and the intimidation and everything that's going on didn't it cause him to say, oh, okay, I didn't realize that, and ran off. He didn't do that. Turned around and said, I don't know what you're saying. Here, take this. That's, that's all he did. And here it is. In our generation, we turn around. Churches are closing 4,000 each year and, and struggling more than anything. And the uh, uh, epidemic of heroin is this and, and suicide and all this. And we're just sitting there. Here's us. Wow. Wow. What difference can I make? I mess up more than I do good. I'm, every time I get in front of people to talk about my faith, I end up saying something dumb. And here we are. We're that children of Israel. Backing off, letting Goliath push us back little by little. God has not given us a spirit of love or a spirit of fear, but of love power and a mind that says the truth and the truth is that God has given me that little is much when God is in it and I might not be very much but let me tell you this I have a gift inside of me that can change the world that's the truth I'm a child of God God's blessed me with a family God's blessed me with this family and I know that the Bible says He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Go back to that first word. God is able. It literally means I am able to do what I want to do in the church. The question is, are you going to be stirred up to let the power of God work in you? Do you realize that God was able, God was able to do the same thing through every one of those men on the sideline. Every one of those men could have gone out there and did that because they all serve the same God, but he works through the one that steps up and says, I'm going to do it because I'm going to cast out fear and I'm going to serve God. 